I actually want to say just a little prayer real quick. May our Blessed Mother's mantle just cover us with her protection. May the angels of God be with us and intercede on our behalf. May the saints of God be here with us and intercede for us. May the precious blood of Jesus Christ just come upon us, our families, our possessions, this building, the soil beneath and around, all the air and communication in or out. May all evil be bound and silenced. We ask this through the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. I got all fired up this week. So I was in Wichita, which, you know, could get you fired up, I guess. Um, but I was at a conference. I got to see one of my best friends who's a priest. And that's why I go to this conference, not because I actually am directly in the ministry that this conference discusses, but because of my buddies there and we get to hang out and it was his birthday and God is good. Um, the conference was on deliverance ministry and exorcism. And it's something you just don't hear a lot about. It's something our Lord does and talks about quite a bit. I mean, you consider who our Lord talks about, Jesus talks about in the gospel the most, it would be God the Father. But if you were to go through and count, I mean, the evil one, Satan, would be right up there. And we don't like to be reminded of it. I've actually gotten comments because uh, we prayed the St. Michael prayer at the end of Mass that, you know, that's just a little unusual to be reminded that we're in a battle, to be reminded that there is an enemy, to be reminded that demons are real. But it was great to be at this conference because the priest who was leading it was amazing. He's the exorcist for Washington, D.C. And you can imagine business is good. <laughs> In Washington, D.C., if you're an exorcist. Um, that reminded me of like the time when I was in seminary that I met a nun from Las Vegas. I'm like, you just can't make this up. You just can't, you can't make it up. But it was, it was an amazing conference. And a, my biggest takeaway, because he had people at the end uh, share their biggest takeaways. And <laughs> exorcists are not like, they're very boring. That's actually kind of the point. It's not a battle of like personalities or wills or anything. Um, you should have heard him share, it was amazing. But my big takeaway, and I didn't get a share, but my big takeaway was that Jesus Christ is Lord and the victory is won. And we should have so much hope in the gospel. Our Lord Jesus Christ loves you more than any of us can possibly explain. But we have to acknowledge some reality. We unfortunately like to play make-believe. We play make-believe by not seeing reality for what it actually is, that's why, thanks be to God, we have the creed that we're about to pray here after the homily to bring us back to reality, what is actually true. But also, you know, what I heard from this exorcist that was amazing was that he's been working on a homily for a long time because he's been an exorcist for 15 years. And he's actually a licensed psychologist also. And he said, here's his homily. Now, this is much shorter than what this will be today. God is good. Satan is bad. Angels are good. Demons are bad. Satan is not your friend. Jesus Christ is Lord. I needed to hear that. We all need to hear that. We don't like to hear that. We'd prefer to pretend that there was no threats against us, but thanks be to God, Satan and the fallen angels, the demons, are chained dogs. They only have as much power, really, as we give them. But that doesn't mean that they don't try to attack us, try to tempt us. And they've been doing it from the beginning. Just look at the Garden of Eden, right? In the Garden of Eden, the serpent, the ancient one, 
The liar from the beginning goes after Adam and Eve. And what's the core of that temptation? You could be God. You could be God. We all have given in to that unfortunate temptation. We have pretended that we could be God, that we could edit the Ten Commandments and the rest of the instructions of the church, that we can make exceptions as to why we don't have to love God and our neighbor. And basically, we've gone through times where the only thing that mattered is our own self. But thanks be to God, Jesus came to set the captives free. Thanks be to God, the precious blood of Jesus Christ has done that. Thanks be to God, it's available to us right now. Because Jesus is our one goal today. He's the answer to every temptation. So you may have noticed our statues, of course, up in the sanctuary. This is the first weekend we've had St. Joseph and the child Jesus in the sanctuary, which is awesome, which makes sense because one of St. Joseph's title is Terror of Demons. So, of course, after I get all fired up, I'm going to bring St. Joseph out. We've been planning that for a while, though. Some dads in the parish said, if you got Our Lady, why not St. Joseph? And I love this, right? So I had the little prayer at the beginning of the homily. I mentioned Our Lady's mantle. In this statue, that would be the blue covering that she's wearing. And I love the image of Our Lady just taking her mantle and bringing you in, just bringing you close, covering you in that protection. And when you finally understand that she is your mother, there's nowhere else you want to be. Now, St. Joseph, holding the Christ child like that, really is the model for us in this spiritual battle that we're in. Because that's how we do the battle. What's the answer to every temptation that comes against you to become God instead of let God be God? Jesus. And that's what a warrior looks like. Presenting the Christ child, very simply, very clearly, Jesus. And we all need to hear that because Jesus Christ wants to go deeper and deeper with us, but we settle for so little. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has come to bring fulfillment. He talks about that today in the gospel, and that's what I really want to get into. Our Lord explains that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And as he starts going through the commandments here in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, some of us might bristle. I bristle. Because he starts going deeper than we're comfortable with. But thanks be to God, he does. Because when he starts calling out the commandments and saying, oh, you thought it just said this, I actually mean this. All of us need to hear that. But that's why I prayed at the beginning of this homily, because there are going to be some temptations coming against us as we hear the Gospel like there always are. That this doesn't apply to me and my situation. Or that it's impossible to live out what our Lord calls us to, so we make an exception for ourselves, even if just momentarily. But thanks be to God, our Lord's good news really is good, even if it feels so difficult when we hear it. One of the first commandments he calls out is the commandment of thou shall not kill. And I have had so many people tell me, Father, no, I'm basically a good person. I haven't killed anybody. Is that whose standard are you using? (laughs) Are you using your standard of what it means to not kill or our Lord's in the gospel today? Because when he says thou shall not kill, it means are you fostering anger in your heart? Are you holding on to a grudge? Now, grudges are so hard because we don't ask to get hurt. When you receive deep wounds... 
It seems like an injustice that now what someone else has done and chosen to do, you have to deal with. But I go to this gospel, and when Jesus Christ calls out, thou shalt not kill, and he calls out the anger that we can have with our neighbor, but that you need to let that aside, I can see even now hearts that say, but Lord, I need that anger. That anger gives me security. That anger reminds me of the wound. That anger justifies so much. But this is why we need Jesus Christ. Because the evil one would love for us to settle instead of the peace of Jesus for the anger we have in our own justifications. And it's so scary when we're wounded to even begin to admit that Jesus Christ can actually bring healing and that he can transform our wounds just as his wounds were transformed after the resurrection that he received on the cross. But our Lord doesn't stop there. He goes then, until you've heard that it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in, her heart, in his heart. And I don't have to explain to you the prevalence of this sin. It is tearing apart hearts and marriages. I saw this interesting statistic that was put into a video graphic about the most visited websites since 19, like the mid-1990s. And so the graphics would move like back and forth based on around the world, a number of visits. And you know, it was, it was fun going down memory lane and seeing like AOL as king. <laughs> and then you know Yahoo gets up there and Google and Amazon. And then you look at the last few years, what's creeping up towards the top, and I can't even say the names. And it's horrifying. And this is how the demonic works. It wants to keep us in darkness because there is so much shame there. And I know so many who are struggling with the sins of the eyes, the sin of lust, that want to stop, that want freedom, but that are buying into the lie that this is what you have to look forward to, that love for you is not actually poss possible, that the freedom that Jesus Christ provides is beyond you. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Our Lord's divine mercy wants to rescue you from the darkest of sins. And he wants to purify your gaze so that someday you can see the beatific vision. Isn't that a beautiful understanding of heaven? We hear about heaven in the second reading, right? That eye has not seen and near has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. But we understand heaven too as a beautiful vision. But right now we have to train our eyes for heaven and not hell. But then our Lord goes on to talk about marriage. And maybe what our Lord's getting into in the commandments in the gospel today is not specifically what you're dealing with, but first, please pray for those who are, because these are some very serious, serious, serious calls to conversion. But also, know that even if you didn't name it, if your conscience is hitting you right now, our Lord wants in. And something that I just want to throw out, since I mentioned exorcism, is that the sacrament of penance is stronger than any exorcism. So go to confession. <laughs> When it comes to marriage, our Lord make, makes very clear the conditions 
of permanency that are meant in marriage. And I preached about that last week about marriage, that it's permanent. It's for life. But he talks about the reality of divorce. And he mentions a phrase here that I actually work with very personally with people who have been divorced. He talks about, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife unless the marriage is unlawful causes her to commit adultery. That phrase, unless the marriage is unlawful, is where the church can be invited in. After hearts have been wrecked and devastated because no one gets married expecting divorce. If the situation is irreconcilable and the divorce has already occurred, one of the spouses can ask the church to look into the marriage to see if it was done according to the law of the church, and that's the annulment process. There are so many misunderstandings about the annulment process, but I just want to tell you, I'm our advocate for our parish, meaning if you're at St. John Paul II Parish at this time and you're in that situation, I'm the one you'll work with. And if you want that ministry of the church, please, please, please reach out to me because there are so many misunderstandings. But also notice what this passage is talking about, the lawfulness of marriage. And the church has beautiful laws regarding marriage. And I know that they're difficult maybe, and I know we don't always follow them, but there really are consequences. My own parents got married outside the church when my mom wasn't Catholic yet and my dad was. And they needed to get a convalidation. They needed to come before a priest or a deacon and have their vows renewed um, and received into the church. And they did that. When they met with the priest, for me to get baptized, the firstborn, he talked to him about that, and I'm so grateful to that priest, because my dad shouldn't have gone to communion until that actually happened. My mom did not understand, though, what he was saying. She wasn't Catholic. And that wound there, I just hope, in my own priesthood, I can help to address. And that's what I want to tell you, too. If you have any questions about the church's marriage laws or you're in a situation that this passage applies to, please, please, please reach out. But then we get into false oaths. <laughs> and I know this is just like a litany of boom, 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 boom. I have never preached on what I'm about to say except for two other times. Four o'clock mass yesterday and 8.30 mass today. <laughs> It's amazing that our Lord takes our oaths this seriously. He actually cares about what we say. When we pray the creed, it is like an oath of this is who we are. But something that struck me from this conference this week that I, I just want to lay out there. I don't know who needs to hear it. But there are certain oaths that people can take in this world that the church very clearly condemns. And it's actually beautiful that we have such an active Knights of Columbus council in our parish because the Knights of Columbus were in one part founded because there were men being tempted to become Freemasons. And I'm not trying to get into conspiracy theories or all that. I just want to be very clear. And many men who are Freemasons don't actually know this. But every degree you go through in Freemasonry, the 33 degrees, and then the Shriners after that, from what I understand... The exorcists explain to us, those each carry with them a curse because the oath that is made is a false oath that carries with it a threat of violence. 
and the church still does not allow any man who is a Freemason to receive Holy Communion. And that's for the man's good, that those oaths need to be broken before he can approach the sacrament. Maybe that's not your problem, though. Maybe that's not where you're going. But believe me, when our Lord calls out the commandments and goes deeper, it's so you can receive him better. Jesus Christ doesn't just tell us about himself. He gives us himself. And I've been just so convicted because I know what it's like, because I'm a sinner who approaches Jesus Christ's mercy in the sacrament of reconciliation, who tries to pray every day for our Lord to be merciful, and who has to prepare every day for the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. And I just want to tell you, when your conscience is flared up, that's a good thing. It's to tell you to come to our Lord's mercy so you can receive him in Holy Communion. But if you have a conscience flare up, if you're aware of grave sin, we need to not approach until we address that. And believe me, it is so worth it because the victory is won. That's what's got me all fired up. Jesus Christ is Lord. And all the opponents we might have in the evil one and in the minions of hell have nothing on the grace of God. And our Lord loves you so, so much. So this homily might have been a little spicy, a little bit of real talk, but it is so important because our Lord has made your heart for himself and you will not find peace and happiness the way you were made to find it apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord.